0: Could you be in a toxic relationship and not even see the signs? This is far more common than you think. Today, on Tamar's Relationship Transformations, your host, author, and certified relationship coach, Tamar Neal, will expose the less talked about, but nonetheless, all important aspects of unhealthy and abusive relationships. You'll learn how to avoid being in one or how to get out of one. The opinions expressed by guests are their own and do not necessarily reflect the views held by the host or the show. Now, here's Tamar Neal.
1: Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Tomorrow's Relationship Transformations. Many of you may not know, and then again, many of you may know because I seem like I say it every time I'm on. Uh, but for many years, I was a Baltimore County 911 operator. And this experience changed my life forever. I am currently working on a new book, Baltimore 911 Operator Breaks the Silence. And if you are a publisher or an agent, tweet, tweet. <laughs> Today, I am going to share with you a brief excerpt from the book, Veteran 911 Operator Breaks the Code of Silence. As my fingers trembled, I hit the out of service button, slipped the yoke of card keys from around my neck, and watched unexpected tears of both relief and remorse suddenly roll down my face. Embarrassed by my seemingly emotional breakdown, I silently laid my head on the cold console, hoping that in the always dim lit room that my state of mind would go unnoticed. My co-workers continued to take emergency 911 calls and although They were unable to console me, they were an elite group of people, paid to pay attention, and all eyes were without a doubt on me. I felt like a soldier, leaving my platoon down in the trenches in a war zone and returning to civilian life. As we all embraced each other farewell, many of my co-workers whispered the same statement to me. I'm glad you got out. As I heard these signs of approval, I went from feeling as if I was a soldier leaving my platoon to a prisoner of war, suddenly being released from captivity. 9 operators are men and women who hear some of the most soul-searing sounds imaginable and often the last voice some callers will ever hear while immobilized to their computers expected to remain calm, gather information, and stay on the line while people do the unthinkable until the first responders arrive. This extremely high-stress working environment can make even the most dedicated operators want out on a regular basis, but for many reasons feel compelled to stay. Although I was eager to experience what it Felt like to be able to stay home with my children during an emergency without a military Humvee transporting me to work. It had been seven years since I was able to have a Thanksgiving dinner with my family. I would no longer be there to listen to the sounds of what a beautiful Christmas tree left burning unattended could bring. Horrifically to my ears on the silent night of Christmas. As I slowly left the building that gave me memories of incidents that I would like to forget, suddenly a distinct feeling of sadness quickly overwhelmed me. I knew at that moment that I would no longer be a part of a team of unsung heroes that saved lives and did extraordinarily seldom recognized things on the regular basis for Baltimore County 911 if you are just joining us you just missed an excerpt from my soon to be released book Baltimore 911 operator breaks the silence however You may go back to this broadcast at www.voiceamericaempowerment.com and download the entire broadcast at your convenience. You know, I'm a firm believer that we are what we live. And for many years, even after I left the 911 Center, I found myself still an emergency communication technician. When I talk to my children, if they came in and said something happened outside, I would immediately get a description and a direction of travel. <laughs> Getting suspect information from your kids, you know. <laughs> I would often find myself laughing at things inappropriately, and I ain't going to tell you what that those things was, but because, you know, most 911 operators, that's how they manage stress. We laugh at things that are sometimes, a lot of times, inappropriate. And I ain't gonna tell y'all what the things are that we laugh at because that's inappropriate. But anyway, they were inappropriate. I can remember going to a new job, amazed that people were able to get up and walk around at their leisure, go to the restroom without being relieved, and no one wanted to know what took them so long when they came back. Actually, get to stay home, you know, during a state of an emergency, and, um, And get to actually leave a building during a bomb threat without having to stay and continue to take calls. You know, I can remember receiving a call from a caller who advised there was a bomb in the building. And after further investigation, what the caller was trying to say was he was trying to pronounce the word bomb the entire building that I was working in, which was a courthouse, was immediately evacuated. However, the 911 operators were not a part of that plan because it was our job to stay and continue to take emergency calls. There were no stunt 911 operators that stepped in during these emergencies and we stepped out. (laughs) Yes, we had to do our own stunts. These things were all new to me, but, you know, I was passionate about them in a very, very strange way. Um, So what I want to do next is my next guest. I'm so excited about him because um, he will be coming on and I'm breaking my silence, but. We're going to take a quick commercial break, and when we come back, I have Tyler Williams, an entertainer, NASCAR racer, motivational speaker, and now author of a new release book, I Have a Voice. He released it April 18, 2016, and Tyler has experienced the pain of lost love and finding his true voice and strength for success. So we got a really fast show coming up for y'all. Don't y'all go nowhere. We'll be right back.
2: This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in emergency medical dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers, and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next, and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamara is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble and most bookstores. That's TamarNeal.com or call 888-503-1575.
2: Build a better business. Achieve that goal. Make good on that resolution. The Voice America Empowerment Channel. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed.
0: You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's one 888 346 You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com That's T-A-M-A-R-A neal.com Now, back to the show.
1: Hey! Without further ado, I gotta introduce my guest. Tyler Williams. We have Tyler here. Hi, Tyler. How's it going? It's going well. How's it going with you?
3: Doing great. Thanks for having me on the show today.
1: Well, thanks for being here, Tyler. I mean, I mean, I have had the opportunity to read your new release book. You released that book in April, right? Absolutely. I have, I have a voice, and that book is very uplifting and inspirational, I have to say, to say the least. And I love a book like that because I have a very short attention span. And it's a book that you can read in little sips. Am I correct, Tyler?
4: You can take it a sip at a
1: time.
3: (laughs) Yeah, I wrote it that way so that if you wanted to read one chapter and be done with it in a few minutes, you can put it Mm -hmm. down and, and pick it back up the next day. You could or if you wanted to hit five, six or seven, you could do that and it wouldn't be overwhelming. It's short to the point and helps people navigate it quickly and easily.
1: That's right. Well, I loved it, and I want to thank you for writing it because although many people love to talk about the victories that they have had, few want to talk about the devastating setbacks. Tyler, can you share with us your personal story of being on top of your game and having it all crash down?
3: Well, I've gone through a different series of setbacks over the course of my life, and it wasn't until the third one that I realized that there was a pattern repeating. And so, early success as a kid, I was singing at the Fox Theater in Atlanta in front of 4,000 people, and the first year I got to do that, it was just a fun experience. We were asked to come back year two and perform with Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dream Coat, and I realized that people do this for a living. People entertain as a career, and I didn't say I was going to be a Broadway singer or that style of performer. I just said, I want to be an entertainer for life. This would be amazing. Well, just a few years later, I had one bad performance where I forgot the lyrics. And this time it wasn't in front of 4,000 people. It was simply in a house party with 12 people. But in that moment, I made a vow that I would never do that again. It was too uncomfortable. It was too embarrassing. I felt ashamed of myself. And I didn't have anybody come alongside and pick me back up. And so for 10 years, I didn't sing in public again. Well, the next go-round, I was racing NASCAR, and I was able to race in the NASCAR Weekly Series for about five years, having quite a bit of success and getting ready to make the move up the ladder, the NASCAR system. And, again, we were presented with a challenge, and this time the challenge was sponsorship. You you need a lot of money to make that jump from regional NASCAR to major league-level NASCAR. You know, half a million, million dollars, two million, three million. And so trying to sell that sponsorship as a 23-year-old had no idea what I was doing at the time related to sales. And so I was unable to secure the funding necessary to make it in the NASCAR career. So I walked away from that. And then at 27 years old, I'd been in a relationship with a woman I thought would end up being my wife. And I made a decision that I wasn't sure if that was the right move for me at that time. And so after four and a half years, walked away from that. And so huh. when I talk about success and failure, I had these areas of my life where I was achieving great levels of success. You know, we, we got to sing in amazing places, got to race cars and perform at a high level. And obviously if you make it four and a half years in any relationship, there's got to be something you, you love about it, right? It's not all bad. Right. So right. You, have, you have success all throughout these areas. But the common trait was I was running. I was getting a certain distance in,
4: mm-hmm.
3: and then it stopped. And wow. the ending of that relationship caused me to look at those deeper questions of life. You know, how did I end up here at 27 years old? I never thought I would be here. And if I'm here, I'm here for a reason. So what what is the, the world trying to teach me? Or what is God trying to teach me through this life lesson? And then you start looking at these other patterns and learning how they connect And at the end of the day, what I found is that I wasn't living my full, authentic voice with the world, and I was getting just far enough down the road, and then I'd pull back because an unknown future, Uh even if you achieve more, well, what if something else doesn't work out? Or, you know, basically looking at the conflicts of life and running away from them.
1: Right, I mean, and what do you think that is? Do you think that's ego, or what do you think that is? Because I think a lot of us do that. I mean, we live in, in a in a world where even even making a a Facebook post or a tweet can be scary. If you put something out there and everyone ignores it, that can even be a bit devastating. But what do you think it is um, that actually? I'm just trying to gather together my thought because you just gave me so many aha uh-huh moments there that I I literally I can't even contain them all. But let me, let's let's go back. Let's go back. Let me go back. Start over. Let's go back to the four and a half year relationship since this was a relationship show. Tell us a little bit about that and what you came to know about yourself with that four and a half year um, relationship walking away walking away from every you've walked away from like three or four different things there and what was going on with the relationship that made you walk away from that
3: sure well anytime you're in a long term situation you have these ups and downs that you you go through and it was right. normal to have conflict in any relationship the right. for me was not really knowing how to Engage in uh, conflict with a positive outcome in mind, and realizing that oh, what maybe we call a spin cycle. You know, you get into a conflict situation, and you know we're not talking about throwing things at each other. We're not talking about abusive right. conflict. We're simply talking about relational conflict. You know, uh-huh. you are trying to express something, she's trying to express something, and somewhere along the way, you get caught on this wheel that keeps going round and round and round because neither party is being heard, understood, and valued. And at the end of the day, that's what it came down to for this relationship for me was I wasn't able to express and communicate because I wasn't totally confident and sure of my voice. And so from my perspective, it was I don't know how to communicate well enough to help her understand. And at the same time, she knew how to communicate her needs her, or she was looking for in a relationship. Yet, my insecurity in my voice, you know, my lack of security, in knowing that identity of who I am, I would see that as, well, I'm not good enough.
1: My, I think a lot of, I think a lot of men, I think a lot of men think like that. And I read somewhere that women we're able to use both sides of our brain simultaneously, so we're normally able to. Out, not think a man, but out talk a man. We're able to to um, uh, throw our thoughts out there so much quicker. You know, where in a man, he's only thinking with one side of his brain at a time, and you can check me on this. But he's only using one side of his brain. At a time, therefore, although he may know what he wants to say, you know, when a woman gets to rattling things off, it's almost impossible for the average man to compete with her doing, you know, during argument.
3: But when well, I work with uh, people, we I find that women typically are in an environment, have grown up and connected, they're relational, and they're in an environment that fuels the discussions of how do you feel in those relationships where typically the men that I work with when I'm doing coaching, they're learning how to put words to what they're feeling. And yeah, it does usually take a little bit longer to compute, but it's because the world that men have grown up in has told them this is the the road to go down and, you know, they know angry, they know sad, and they know happy, but within all the categories, There's a depth of of ways we can describe. And so when I'm working with men, the way to open that door is help them understand, okay, you just had this moment right here, and you said you were angry. Well, what does that actually mean? And so when you begin to help put words and descriptions that dive deeper into the experience someone's having, all it does is raise the level of self-awareness, and that's where it all starts. If you can understand who you are and how you relate and connect in any given situation whether it's in a, a work setting or specifically here in a in a relationship where there's going to be conflict you're then able to communicate in a way that okay well I know I'm about to get angry here so I need to take a 5 minute break so I can regain my composure and then come back in and we can talk about this in a way that's not going to be harmful to the relationship or right we
1: can agree you know, to disagree
3: or maybe it's a situation where you need to take two or three days and think about it and then come uh-huh. back and revisit the, the situation. Or maybe it's just, you need to have words to express what you're thinking about. And it takes you a few minutes to formulate those. But once you, want you to have them, you can think and express them. And that's what I found with, you know, as a kid saying, I'm never going to put myself out there. Well, when you say you're never going to do something, what we speak often becomes true. And so, you might think, well, you just said you're not going to sing anymore. But making that verbal expression to myself that I'll never do this again really shut down a side of me that was the connective side, the relational side, and it impacted how I communicated what I was experiencing in any given moment. It didn't have to be just singing or entertaining. And so the end of that relationship challenged me to look deeper, to become more self-aware, to pay attention to how I manage myself and that very obviously impacted how I connect with other people and manage my relationships and certainly not perfect today, but it it enables me to look at someone across the table, listen to what they're actually saying, understand it and then validate that experience regardless of if I fully, you know, um, connect with what they're saying, I can still validate their experience because it's totally theirs. Uh-huh. You know, if, if you said, hey, Tyler, I'm having this experience and it's real for me, I might see it a totally different way because I saw a couple of different sides of the situation, but I'm not going to disagree that you feel that way because that's your feeling that you're experiencing. And, and when we can validate that for people, it, it helps them feel significant and valued and cared for. And uh-huh. then you can move forward from that. And, and so that that was the the big takeaway I learned is, you know, you, you can hear somebody and understand them and, and really make them feel valued in a way that, you know, it doesn't take a lot of time. It's not like you have to sit and have three hour long discussions. It's, you can really break through. And, and when you take the time to really pay attention and put your listening ears on.
1: That's so true. And Tyler, let me, let me ask you this. Um, the feeling of defeat. I'm Go back a little bit. It's a part of life, I believe, that we all, if you know, eventually will happen to us if we are living our life to the fullest. I mean, if you're living a life where you've never felt defeat, then that says to me that there's no challenge going on in your life because eventually if you're living your life to the fullest there's going to be some type of defeat going on even with people when they um when a marriage comes to an end there's a feeling of defeat there because there's a lot of of um or a relationship comes to an end there is a lot of dreams and hopes and, and and plans that are no longer going to take place. Tell us, how do you overcome the feelings of defeat after experiencing, you know, such a feeling of success? So, say you, you had this big, beautiful wedding and everything was just wonderful and the relationship was going well and then all of a sudden you found out something he walked away. So it's a feeling of defeat. You had a no win situation there. How do you how do you overcome that feeling of defeat? So many people get stuck in that area.
3: Well number one, in any situation, knowing your full identity, who you are, regardless mm-hmm. of life situations, your know, relationship status, career status, financial status, wherever your situation and status in life, have a separate identity regardless of all those other factors. And when you know who you are and you're confident in yourself and you know your voice and how you connect and communicate with the world, all Mm -hmm. those things, obviously, are still going to throw you off. That's a massive change in your life. But when it comes to failure, for me, I was always looking at the final picture of success. So, in this case, I've never been married, but let's say you were married. If marriage was the ultimate success and your picture was the house, the two kids, the car, the dog, whatever the situation, and you're looking 10 years, 15 years down the road at this perfect picture, Well, we all know things don't play out how we plan them. And so when you are derailed and you have that massive change in life, if that's your picture, it's always going to throw you for a loop. And so for me, with singing, with racing, with this relationship that I'd been in, I'd always painted the final picture of what I hoped it would be You know, I was going to be a Sprint Cup Series champion. I was going to be a professional singer on the big stages. I was going to have this great family. And we always have the final moments in in our minds. We don't leave room for growth, for change, for creating new opportunities. And so when I let go of those final moments, you know, I'm out racing cars today. I, I sing country music today. I am not married yet, but I, I'm out in the dating scene and I'm connecting with people and and taking risks to, to meet and, and go on new adventures. And I don't have that long-range plan. You know, I still have uh, plans of what I want to accomplish, but it's more fluid because I'm living in the moment and I'm connecting to what's present. And I think that's the two components is knowing your identity, knowing who you are, separate mm-hmm. yourself from all those other external factors because you aren't your marriage. You aren't your kids. You aren't your career. All those things are roles and, and times we play in life. I love
1: so, it. I love it. I love it, Tyler. That's a perfect no, way to go to yeah. a commercial. We're going to go to a commercial on that one. And meanwhile, while we're going to commercial, y'all go to Amazon and Barnes and & Noble and tell them where they the title of that book, um, Tyler. We got two seconds.
3: I have a voice on Amazon.com.
1: Okay, we're going to commercial now. Be right back.
2: Live up to your fullest potential. This is the Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in Emergency Medical Dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books, find out where she is appearing next and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit tamaraneal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble, and most bookstores. That's tamarneal.com or call 888-503-1575.
2: This is the home of the top life coaches, entrepreneurs, and success drivers. The Voice America Empowerment Channel.
0: You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at tamarneal.com. That's T A M A R A, neal.com. Now, back to the show.
1: Hey, welcome back, everyone. We have Tyler Williams here on the show today, and Tyler is teaching us how to find our voice. Now, Tyler, I am a writer. And for the most part, I write my thoughts so that, unlike you, you did the, you're a writer, but you're you are a singer, you're an uh, actor, you do the NASCAR thing, so you're used to being out there in front of all of the crowds. Me, myself, when I started writing, when I wrote my first book, I had no idea that Writing my book, you know, I thought I'd write my thoughts so that other people could read them. I had no idea that I would have to do radio and television and make appearances. Um, and it was definitely out of my comfort zone. You know, I still have to get myself, you know, all up and everything before I can even do anything that has anything to do with the public. So please share with me and with our listeners about how you managed, how you managed and how you manage to step out of your comfort zone. This book thing has got me stepping out of my comfort zone all the time. There's a challenge always there. I'm beginning to think it's very healthy. But, you know, tell us how you step out of your comfort zone and take action to find your voice.
3: Well, coming out of that relationship and and asking those questions of life, you know, who am I? How did I get here? Where do I want to go? I didn't realize that I was stepping into this major journey, right? I just was living in the moment and processing what I just experienced. Well, throughout that process, I began to see places where life became bigger for me. So singing karaoke, it brought back to life those feelings of performing as a kid, and then that turned into a friend of mine inviting me to play an open mic night with him. And that stirred more feelings of passion and excitement. But I also realized there was that anxiety and fear that crept in every time I performed. And so I realized I needed to do something about that. I wanted to, to feel more comfortable when I was performing mm-hmm. on stage. And at this point, I began doing speaking gigs and sharing my message and story of, of how to find your voice and and the world we live in and connect to a greater life and reclaiming lost dreams. And what I found the most powerful thing, you know, I've done some speaking classes in the past. but The most profound thing I did was begin acting classes. And it was during acting class that I began hearing these little thoughts and ideas that were life changing and they were revolutionary for me, but they weren't these crazy outlandish things. They were simple. It was, you know, you would go into class and somebody would get upset or frustrated about their performance they gave. Remember, this is just class. This is a training ground where your job is to try and to fail and to try and to fail so that each time you get a little bit better and better. And so instead of being bad, you know, you're, I made a bad choice during class and my performance was not good. It was, no, you just, you're weak today. Your performance was weak and it can be stronger. And if you keep coming back, you'll get stronger and stronger just like when you go to the gym if you continue to work out your muscles in the areas you're working develop and they become stronger and stronger Mm -hmm. you don't have good and bad muscles and so little things like that that you go in and you realize that you know what trying and failing isn't so bad because most people forget about that performance anyways and they move on with their life because their life is the most important thing to them And so the number one thing that I learned through acting class was go out, test yourself, and become better. And each moment becomes another opportunity to learn and to grow. And so what started as karaoke turned into open mic nights, and open mic nights turned into playing cover band shows with a a couple guys doing some acoustic stuff. And then that led to an opportunity to join a full band, and we did country music covers. It was a country music duo. And you think, well, oh, this is all happening within you know, two or three or four months. This is over three to four years, and it's one little step at a time. One little step wow. here, one little step there. And then the same thing with acting. You know, As a, taking acting classes, I, I thought it would be fun to see what happens in on movie sets as an extra. And so I was an extra in a few movies just to see what it's about, because the Atlanta movie scene is busy. And there's a lot going on. And then just for fun, it filled out. Um, submitted to to be on Vampire Diaries as a featured extra and I didn't get that part but it turned into an opportunity to, to work as a stand-in and photo devil on seasons 4 and 5 of the Vampire Diaries and to see actors at a professional level work the craft, the things you're learning in class you see all this training come to life and mm-hmm. so when people say, well how do you go out and do this how do you speak in front of people how do you perform on the stage and have confidence? And truthfully, there's still the nervous energy every time before I go out on stage and connect and, and entertain in any form.
1: Oh, thank uh, God. So I'm normal.
3: <laughs> everybody has... You know, I was talking to a friend of mine, and she said, I never get nervous. And I was like, wow, I don't know what that's like. But everyone has a different <laughs> process. And so the power you. is doing enough training, doing enough practice, to learn how you perform well. You know, I was listening to an interview with Dan Cathy, CEO of Chick-fil-A, and he said, practice makes permanent. And he may not have been the first to say that ever, but that stuck with me, and I remembered that because when I look at acting class, when I look at my musical performances, when I look at racing on the track and becoming a better driver, everything that I've done, the end goal isn't really what it's about. It's the practice, because the practice you put in allows you to put in permanent disciplines and habits that allow you to execute and perform at the highest level possible. And so when somebody goes, I never, I can't speak in front of people. Well, of course you're going to be, you know, potentially very nervous the first time, maybe even the 12th time. Mm-hmm. But what about the 50th time or the 200th time when you make it a career? You know, There's people don't see the potential within themselves and when somebody, you know, say me working from the stage or one-on-one in a coaching session, and you see the untapped potential in someone and you call that forth, just one person has the power to drastically change the trajectory of someone's life by believing in them and, and adding value to their life in a way that pulls that out of them. And so you know, for you or anyone else trying to find those comfort levels, it's all about diving into the thing that you love to do or maybe you just want to find out if you do love it. Go take uh-huh. the risk, to try to fail, to get back up, to try and fail again, and realize that each one of those times is an opportunity to learn and to grow and to become better at what you do each and every day, because that's all we have in life.
1: That's funny. You know? And I so agree with you because, you know, everything that you just said, I can definitely testify to it. I mean, each thing that I've done has led to my next thing. And and as you said, it, it only takes one thing to change your whole trajectory. To your whole trajectory. When you're, um, you know, you never know what that thing is going to be. Like I'll set out to uh, go do a book festival, and the next thing I know, I have a television thing going on because it, you know, it came out of the book festival. Each thing always leads to the next thing, and that that. I think that if we don't push ourselves to the limit, when we don't push, if I'm not pushing, then I'm not really going anywhere. I'm standing still. If I'm just going doing that nine to five every day, do you feel that to be true or how do you feel? I mean, some people are absolutely very comfortable with that lifestyle, but do you think that for that we are all supposed to be sort of pushing ourselves to the limit pushing you know and you're a guy that you 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 do the NASCAR thing so I know you believe in that that fast you like that rush do you, what do you think about a person that that just thinks that it's okay to just just do the 9 to 5 and
3: my try again we have to find passion in life and it doesn't have to be every day you wake up and go, man, I can't wait to get to work because everyone's going to have an off day.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But when 75 to 80% of the workforce today is disengaged from the work they do, that's a tremendous problem. That means people that means. show up and don't care about the work they're doing. They don't care about the quality of work they're doing because their mind's somewhere else and they spend mm-hmm. 30, 40% of the day daydreaming about other things. And maybe it's not even their fault. Maybe it's because The corporate workplace has not done a great enough job at engaging and creating opportunities for the work to be, the environment to be exceptional and engaging. But no matter what the situation is, you know, no one is ordinary on this life. Nobody is destined for mediocrity or for
4: average. Mm -hmm.
3: I sincerely believe that everybody on this planet, anywhere in the world, has been gifted with a life to do something extraordinary with and that depending on where you live would look wildly different you know if you are you know I've done some mission trips to Kenya well Hmm. if you live in a remote village in Kenya versus New York City in Manhattan the two lifestyles are going to be wildly different but that does not mean that that individual is any less valuable and worthy of doing extraordinary things in the world in their community and so for me it's all about looking at people and finding what makes them come alive, you know, what wakes them up, what engages them. You know, for me, it's entertainment. I love speaking from the stage, entertaining an audience, yet giving them and equipping them with the tools and resources to find their voice, to engage their voice, to make a difference in their community, to reclaim lost dreams, to go after a life that has been destined for them and is available to them should they choose to embark on that journey. Or singing country music to a crowd and just having a fun night to let the stress go and, and engage with people and just a, a lively night. Mm-hmm. Or maybe it's putting on a, a show on the racetrack. You know, It's learning. Well, all the things that I love to do are entertainment-based. You know, sharing stories through a book. It's It's connecting with people in a meaningful way, but it's still entertaining through the stories. And so I think... What we've done is created a system that doesn't tap into the true potential of people out in the world. And so for me, it's all about finding the voice of each individual and saying, hey, you matter. You have a voice. What's going on with inside you that uh-huh. keeps your voice quiet or that keeps your voice loud, but it's not tapped into what your true potential is?
1: Do you think there's something going? What could be going on inside of a person that keeps their voice quiet? Like, what happened? Are you, uh, like, with what happened with you when you had the twelve people in the room, and then all of a sudden you stopped? You you uh, no longer wanted to to sing because you felt like. Do you think that that goat is that something that would stop? Um, a person from seeking their passion? What could be going on inside? Of, a lot of people claim they don't even know what their passion is. And I, and I, you know, with my passion, it's been there as long as I've been there. So what could be going on? When we come back, we're going to take this break. But when we come back, Tyler, I want you to try to help us figure out what could be going on that could stop a person from finding or seeking their passion? What what could really be going on because, like, I I feel the same way you do. We all we're all passionate about something. Uh, we'll be right back with Tyler Williams.
2: We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or
0: Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. For many years, while employed as a Baltimore County 911 operator, Tamar Neal found herself as the only help available for the caller on the other end of the line. While people experienced life-changing emergencies until the first responders arrived, she received a national diploma in Emergency Medical Dispatch and became a certified relationship expert and multi-award winning author. Her articles have appeared in respected magazines and newspapers and she's been interviewed by national and local media outlets. Visit TamarNeal.com to purchase her books. Find out where she is appearing next and take advantage of a valuable free gift. Tamar is also available for public speaking and life coaching. You can also receive signed copies of Tamar's books that are available only at the website. Visit T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com for more information or call directly at 888-503-1575. Tamar Neal's books are also available at Amazon, Barnes & Noble and most bookstores. That's tamarneal.com or call 888-503-1575. You are listening to Tamar's Relationship Transformations. To reach Tamar Neal or her guest today, please call into the program at 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to relationships at TamarNeal.com. That's T-A-M-A-R-A-Neal.com. Now back to the show.
1: Hi, welcome back, everyone. We're speaking with Tyler Williams, and he's helping us to come out of our comfort zone. Um, Tyler, I believe that anyone um, with a goal has a certain expectations, and I know you talk a lot in your book about expectations and not having these expectations, Patience for things to fall in place, letting go of that, um, that, that thing that often leads us to disappointment um, so that we can discover freedom of living in the moment. Can you tell us about a little about that?
3: Absolutely. So for me, it was always looking at the final moment, being three, four, five years down the road and planning out, okay, my NASCAR journey looks like this. I'm going to be in this division by this year. The next year I'll be in this division, and this will just work out. It's going to be perfect, and there's a strategy you put yourself on. Well, the second it doesn't work out, that process all of a sudden changes. And if you're not ready to adapt, adaptation, and change, then you're going to be stuck
4: Hmm. because life
3: isn't working out. And so what I do is everyone has to have a vision and a plan. If you have no vision of what you want to accomplish or where you want to go in life, your you're wandering generality, as Zig Ziglar would say, you have no specific meaning on this earth. And so one, giving yourself a vision of a specific place you want to go or a person you want to be, the things you want to have is imperative. Without that, nothing becomes reality that you want in your life. You're going to bring and attract all these things that you're not planning for because you haven't taken the initiative to, to go after it. And then having a plan to work makes it begin to happen. So for me, when I sit down with anyone or when I'm working in a crowd, it's what's your vision for your life? Paint the uh-huh. most vivid picture you can one year out. You know, from one year today, what does that look like? What does it taste like? What does it smell like? What are you hearing? What are the people you're interacting with? What things do you have? What kind of people are you taking care of and serving through your business and the work you do? What kind of relationships do you have with your, your loved ones and your friends and your family? And create the most vivid picture of all these things. Because you do this and you get, begin to create clarity on the things you want. Well, somebody might say, Well, I want this, and it's so outlandish. I don't care. Write it down. Uh-huh. Because what you do is you begin to create a, and stir this fire in your mind, in your gut of what's possible. And so when you do that, you unleash the, this inner creativity of designing what your life could look like. Doesn't mean it's going to work out like that, but it, it's giving yourself permission to dream and to believe. The greater things are possible from where you are today.
4: Uh
1: huh. Bringing those things into existence.
3: Do you feel? A plan. And when you plan, you begin to take small daily actions to lead you towards that vision for your life. And most people get derailed because one thing doesn't work out and they realize that where they wanted to go seems so far away that they stop without realizing that you know what? My dream might take three, four, five, maybe a decade of work to get there. But if it's truly something I'm passionate about, the work is worth it. And the bigger point of all of it is that one derailment doesn't mean that you are a failure or that it shouldn't be something you should continue. It simply means you had one experience that didn't work out. How can you adapt and change and move forward and create intention? And that's where when we go back to people just playing average and working nine to five it's because they realize that things just don't work out sometimes and they get stuck in that and say it's easier it's safer but I've come to to realize that life is more fun when you take risk
4: you know, that, and that's not true. Risk when you're
3: racing cars and being dangerous and,
4: uh-huh. and
3: and going and doing things that people would perceive as reckless but calculated risk
4: Stepping that's out true. On, we
3: on could... the next platform and, and going after it and, and being intentional and fighting for the things you believe in. hmm
1: uh-huh, That's so true because when I take risk, I wake up well, actually even without taking a risk, I wake up excited every morning. If I'm not waking up excited about something that that may happen that day, then I feel like I'm not I, I'm not working hard enough. Something ain't right. You know, I always have something going on where I, I'm expecting, and you say zero. You you know with to go without the expectations, but I'm always expecting some type of phone call or something. I don't know, and I and I get a thrill off of that. I don't know what kind of thrill seeker that is, but um, I know with with passion. once people find their passion, one of the big hurdles. Um, they come across is with that passion, you have to be willing um, to invest in your dream, you know? And I want to ask you, how much do you think a person should invest? I've heard some horror stories about, you know, people investing in their dreams and their passion. How much do you think that a person should invest in
3: that? Absolutely. Totally. 100% dependent on individual situations. For me, I'm single,
4: mm-hmm. and
3: I can go out and I can spend, and when spending is not just financial, it's time. So I can spend the time to mm-hmm. go to acting classes or to practice my country music, with my band, before we go out and perform. There's time that I can spend and invest in myself and the things that I'm doing to become better. Remember, practice makes permanent, that I can do that. And at the same time, financially, you know, I don't have a wife that I'm helping provide for a you know, mm-hmm. family. I don't have a, a child or children that I'm you know, taking care of and putting a roof over their heads. So I can spend more money on myself. Now, if you're a family of five and you've got a wife and kids at home and you're trying to pay the bills and you're working you know, 50 hours a week or 60 hours a week and you come home, obviously money and time can potentially be fairly limited for the average person. And so what it looks like is, okay, what's the thing I'm really trying to accomplish? Getting clear on that vision for your life. You know, if I'm working over here and I want to make a shift over to this other space, what is the number one thing, the number two, the number three thing that I can do that's going to move me there with more authority, credibility and position me for greater success and then go do that? You know, maybe it's not going to cost you anything, but time So then, well, how can I fit this into my calendar so that my family doesn't suffer, so that my work doesn't suffer, and I can still gain the knowledge and skills that are going to help me move forward in life? Or maybe you need to go to a course, maybe you need additional training, whether it's at university level, a certificate, maybe you need to go to an online course, wherever and whatever the situation is, looking at, well, how committed am I to this? You know, is this something that I'm going to spend 90 days and I'm going to back out because I'm getting scared because I don't know the road? Mm-hmm. Or is it something that I'm willing to give a year, 18 months, three years? And if you can't see yourself investing two to three years in anything that you're doing, if you're looking, especially if it's a business idea, if you're looking to make money from the opportunity, if you're not willing to invest three, four, or five years, then really look at the situation of how much that money means to your family, because you may not be bought fully bought into. That vision, that plan, for your life. But if you're all in, if you're committed, and you're willing to hey. go that extra mile and make it work, you know we're not talking about abandoning your family. We're not talking about spending hey, your Tyler, life. Hey I don't want
1: to, I don't want to cut you off, but we got one minute left. You, you did an excellent job with that question. I need you to tell our listeners how they can get in contact with you, where they can get this book at. We need to spend that minute on that.
3: Well, thanks for having me on the show. The, number one place you can find me online is tylerwilliamslive.com. You can learn about my music, my racing. You can learn about uh, my speaking and get connected with us. You can find me on Facebook, facebook.com slash tylerwilliamslive. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, at twilliamslive. I'm on Snapchat. Feel free to connect with us, engage in conversation, share with me what your passions are, how you're using your voice in the world, questions you have about all that.
1: All right, Tyler, thanks for coming on. We, we loved having you on the show.
0: Thanks so much. Thank you for tuning in to Tomorrow's Relationship Transformation. Please join host Tamar Neal again next Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. We'll see you here again next week.